What's your blood alcohol content? How did you get camo Jordans? They make them. Is it not a word? Dude, it is to a word. You harking back. You harking back. No, you do not. I was useless. Wait, hold on. Delonica? I'm hurting, man. Are you puking? Did you just bust out a Sargento? We're a uh, Tillamook family. What's the proper technique to milk the teat? If they are competing for state championships, they ain't paying for their blizzards. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast. I have Travis is in the house. Got his hat backwards like he's a 19-year-old, and he's not a 19-year-old. I know what hat it is. That thing's sweet, man. Travis is older than I am, and he's still wearing his backwards hat. Yeah, I got a buddy, Chris Jenkins, who, uh, by the way, uh, Wesley, of course, is with us as well with his best uh, Dale Earnhardt costume on. He's got some lip fur that I would imagine uh, his wife probably takes tremendous offense to, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, back to Travis's hat for just a second. Uh, I mean, I'm, I just turned 46 last week. I'm I'm uh, exponentially older than YouTube, and but I do still wear my hat backwards at times. I got a buddy named Chris Jenkins who uh, wrote for the uh, wrote for USA Today, covered NASCAR forever back when I was uh, on the circuit there full time, and he had this whole thing that if you are if once you get to 30 years old, you can't wear your hat backwards anymore. And this sounds like the jersey rule. It sounds like he'd uh, be on board with the jersey rule. I, I would bet he's on board with the jersey rule, although he went to the University of Illinois. And so I don't know what the University of Illinois jersey thoughts are. Uh, they may be different uh, out there in the, in the Midwest. Travis, describe the uh, – what's the typical Illinois fan like? I don't think I've met more than one or two in my life. I don't, I'm the same. I know a couple. Are they real? Do they exist? Oh yeah. They, they come out like every so often. It's like, Hey, our, you know, our football team is good for the first time in 10 years. Look at us. They're actually really passionate. Uh, I, and I found that out because, and I don't remember the context, but I said something on Marty and McGee once, uh, on the national side of the, of the program when we were doing radio and there was a a bunch of Illinois fans that I don't even remember what it was about but they came at me pretty good. Well, they're the fighting Illini, man. Fight. They are. I I think that it had something to do with like who I felt like were the best college basketball teams in the country maybe and you know with Kofi Cockburn and all those guys that they had that they they had a really good team. I mean, Illinois had a really good team, but um I think I probably didn't mention them in my statement. I don't remember, but man, did they—they they came after me. They—they—they uh, they, they are passionate. But anyway, uh, Travis has his hat on backwards. I can't believe that's how we started the podcast this week, but nonetheless, it is the random tangents that make the program. Which let me go back to Marty McGee just real quick. We had the ran, most random show we've ever had in seven or eight years almost 10 years of doing that program and the reason is because what were y'all doing man what was going on over there it's how i spent my week um i had a long week but i had a really cool week i went i have a, a personal services relationship with academy sports and outdoors the sporting goods retailer they're based in texas but they have hundreds of stores all over like the sec footprint from Missouri down to Texas, over to Florida, up to Virginia, and continuing to expand. And we went to new markets of theirs. We went to Lexington, Kentucky. 
we went to uh, West Virginia, rural West Virginia, uh, the New River Gorge, and we went down to uh, Stevenson, Alabama. So here's how I spent my week, fellas, all right? I started my week in Lexington, Kentucky. Got there on Tuesday night, I think. And then we went the next morning to the Red River Gorge where I did this paddleboarding experience. They have this old limestone mine. And yeah, you were they, in like a cave, weren't you? Where, where I was, was in like a, cave. a cavern. Yeah, it was a mine. It was a, it was a limestone mine. And it had flooded out. It's hundreds of years old. And it had flooded out. And so they take you on paddle boards or kayaks through this flooded out mine. And the, the paddle board I was on had LED light. It was a clear paddle board and had LED lights around it. So it was a really trippy effect. And we were in there for, I don't know, hours. And they were telling me all about the history of the mine and like what what the new or new river excuse me Red River Gorge means to that region, and all of the different hunting and fishing and outdoors activities. It's renowned for rock climbing. It's renowned for its hiking trails, mountain biking, etc. So that was a killer experience. It was so cool to be in that mine. It was really dark. Um, What's in there? Do you see any fish or anything? There are tons of fish, so they stock it. There's 35-pound fish in there, and that's what they told me. The guides told me they stock it, and they take great care of the fish, and so they have embedded these lights underneath the water in there where you can see all these fish, and they're, they're just absolute monsters. I wish I'd have brought a fishing rod with me, but I would have definitely fallen off of the paddleboard, and the water temperature was 38 degrees. How quick do you get hypothermia if you fall in 38 degrees? Probably quick, that. right? I mean, that's almost wow. frozen. Are you, uh, Marty, you seem, you live on the lake. You seem like a guy that's been on a paddleboard a time or two. Oh, yeah. But the 38 degrees adds a little bit more to the pressure of not falling off. And I didn't know that for a while. Here's what happened, man. What got me was... So why we were there is with Academy, I do all of this content to basically, um, basically it promotes all of these amazing things you can do in the outdoors. That's our whole goal of producing this content, all these unique opportunities. We've done it for five years now, and it's been an extremely successful marketing platform for Academy. And I love doing it. I mean, you can't, I can't imagine these opportunities and the fun that we have. But yes, I have paddleboarded on Lake Norman. I have paddleboards right outside of my, where I'm sitting over there, uh, right on the lakeside down here. And we love to take them out. So I do have plenty of paddleboarding experience. That wasn't the problem. When I'm moving, when I'm actually paddling, I'm great, man. I'm good to go. It's because we were shooting for because we were on camera and we were shooting content. There were a lot of moments where we had to stop and we had to reposition cameras. We had to Mm. reposition lights standing still. That's dicey, Wesley. I about went ass over tea kettle four or five times. And it was like, you know, you freak out just a minute because I'm telling if I would have gone in, we'd have been that that shoot would have been over in a sucker factor, as you like to call it. Yes. So. Water temperature below 40 degrees, uh, injury can happen within a few minutes. 
At a water temperature of 32.5 to 40 degrees, death may occur in 30 to 90 minutes if you're in it. Okay. So, you could have right, so hopped back up. So, yeah, you could have got, but you could have got hypothermia pretty quick. We're getting out, and it was cold in there. I mean, it's a mine. You're underground, and, and this is what blew my mind about it. So we're making our way through, and this kid, Wesley, uh, was my guide, and no. there was all this water, like, running down not waterfalls, but it was it was coming through the ceiling, basically, like these falls that were coming through the ceiling. And I asked Wesley, I'm like, what's is there running water? Like, what 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 is that? He's like, oh yeah yeah yeah, it's, there's running water above us. And I was like, so How's if this work? thing caved in, we'd probably be having a little bit of an issue here. I don't think we'd be taping the podcast today. Probably not, because I, I mean I. You know, my the one reason that I don't do a whole lot of triathlons anymore is because I don't swim very well. Anyway, did that one day. Uh, the next day, we went back to Lexington and did this awesome piece on this guy, David Wu. And you guys will see all these pieces this fall during football season. That's when they air. They also uh, – snippets of them air on SEC Network. And what I would love to do is I would love to air them on the Marty Smith podcast, uh, the audio version anyway. And we're working through that now. We'll see what happens there with Academy. But did an awesome Ultimate Frisbee experience. This guy built this program from nothing all the way up to a national championship program. Super hmm. cool. You ever played Ultimate Frisbee at Frisbee West? Yeah. Uh, used to get a group of, you know, rascals together after uh, high school and go play up at Collins Hill Park. And there were some guys that took it really seriously and there were some guys that were just out there to have fun. And I can imagine the, the guys that took it really seriously are probably the ones that end up, you know, competing for national champions, not the knuckleheads out there trying to treat it like, you know, tackle football like me and my doesn't, buddies did. But doesn't every, every pickup athletic contest has that guy? All of them do. Yeah. And for I years, remember our guy. He wore a me. headband. He didn't have a shirt on. Had his hair, hair spiked, frosted tips, wore football cleats out there, I'm pretty sure, or soccer cleats. Was this, was this me 20 I was going to say, were you describing Marty? <laughs> is, that, is that peroxide Marty you're talking about there? Yeah, it might have been a time-traveling Marty Smith playing ultimate Frisbee with us. I had never played it. I had never played it in my life until last Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. And I had to learn the rules. I had to learn how it worked. What was cool to me about ultimate Frisbee was this. It's kind of like incorporating – it's kind of like combining football, basketball, and soccer mm -hmm. all into the same game. Because it has like the offside rule for soccer. Like you can't be and past as I was, the line. So it, was the, it was the University of Kentucky's ultimate Frisbee team that we were hanging out with. And so they know what the hell they're doing. And then there was another team called Pi, like the, the you know, 3.14 Pi. Mm-hmm. And they were national champions, man. Why and are they called watching pie? them? Like just uh, just that, because I, of the number? I guess they were. So you know how in soccer they'll just reverse the ball back and forth for however long until they feel like they have enough of an advantage to advance. Same thing. It was really interesting. Did and, you know that a frisbee, the original frisbee, was a pie ten? Maybe that's what they're going for. That's definitely why. That's it, Wesley. You have solved the Pythagorean theorem. Um, but what was cool about it that, that I learned very quickly is 
it, it's almost like you're a point guard, a quarterback, all at once because you're not throwing to a person. You're throwing to a spot where that person may be. There's a lot of anticipation in the way that you're doing it. And so just an awesome human interest story. And there were a lot of – I'm not going to give away the whole piece, but it's the community that's the beautiful part of the story. It's not the game. It's the community that the game creates a platform to build. And I loved it. There were, I met so many amazing individuals that have their own very unique stories, including Coach Wu. So y'all are going to love that one. Uh, next day, I went to the New River Gorge in West Virginia. Went let's, let's revisit the Kentucky Ultimate Frisbee team. Do they compete yeah. against other they SEC do. teams? They compete against uh, – because I asked this question of the coach. Um, they do compete against some other SEC teams, and then there's other – I don't think every SEC school is competing against Kentucky. But there are other universities that do, and um, like it's watching those guys play. There's a meticulous approach to it that you guys have heard me say this before: life is context and repetition. If you do something enough times together, then you build that clairvoyance and that understanding of who's going to go where, when, without ever saying anything. And watching those guys on the Kentucky team, you could you could see that. And again, the personalities were so like it was so cool. I'm gonna go ahead and tell this part of the story because it meant it was just a really neat moment on a human level. My son, Cameron, is 16. He has Tourette syndrome, where they tick and twitch and and have those involuntary movements. And it's been a unique challenge for our family. Like, it's been a, a, a unique path being his dad and for Laney being his mom. Uh, I've learned more from my son than I've learned from anybody I've ever met about life, about empathy and compassion, and all of that, and championing our differences. And so when we were getting ready, I was getting laced up to go over to this field to hang out with the Kentucky team. This car pulls up, and Coach Wu introduces me to this young man named Benjamin. Benjamin has Tourette, and his sister has Tourette. And he comes over, and Coach Wu introduces us, and I shake his hand and tell him. I said, hey, but my, my son has Tourette. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And I had never – I mean, it really hit me. Like, it really hit me. And – I talked through with Benjamin, like what it's like to manage that and what it's like for him to manage his tics. Because if any of you are Tourette parents or any of you out there who have Tourette, you understand that what a lot of these individuals do because of the way society operates and how we think people are weird if they're not just like us. What people with Tourette do is they try all day long to suppress their tics. And as a reason, it's an exhausting exercise. It's utterly physically and emotionally exhausting to try to suppress these ticks all day. And then they'll get home from school or whatnot, and then they just release it and they tick. Or they might have a vocal tick where they 
have a noise that they have to make. Cameron's for a long time was clearing his throat constantly. And so it was awesome to meet Benjamin and to watch him interact with those guys. And play. he was awesome at Ultimate Frisbee. And so it really filled me up learning his story and spending time with him and learning his story. So um, anyway, that's just an aside, but damn it, it's my podcast, so I'll tell it if I want to. Well, that's – no, that's great, man. I can't wait to see the finished video, and I want to see if more SEC teams have ultimate Frisbee because in the SEC, as Travis knows, it just means more. So there must be more teams. I'm looking well, at the roster of the Kentucky ultimate Frisbee team, by the way. Good-looking bunch of dudes. Well, Adam Hauk, I believe uh, – He's got some facial growth that that is that belongs in the Smithsonian. Does it rival yours? <clears throat> I mean, we need to hang yours in the Louvre. Yeah, can we? We need that to lift hold her. up. I mean, that I'm looking at their roster, and there's like a bunch of people's names. You know, whatever first and last names. There's one person on here, just one name, Noah. <laughs> just like a Kobe, single name, Tiger, Kareem. He wait, wait, listen. When you get to – when you're – Ronaldo, when you're a one-name guy, hey, that's when you are – you have made it. He's got to be we, their biggest gamer. All right, there's no deflecting here, Wes. We need a little – like, do you tell your wife ahead of time, like, hey, I'm going to do this, or do you just do it? And, like, what's her reaction? All right, wait, but wait. Before Wes goes, I have – there are people who listen to us. They don't watch on YouTube. They listen to us on Apple or Spotify or wherever they might get their podcasts audibly. All right, this is this Wes's lip fur, which he just – do that again. Can Let you hear it? it? We can hear it, yeah. and it's extremely unfortunate. <laughs> like, it's, it is the most finely groomed lip fur I've ever seen. It's a little it's, – it's not quite Dale Earnhardt. It's not Jeff Foxworthy, 1996 – but it's kind of like a – I'm not sure what you modeled that after, but I appreciate, I appreciate the shaping. Okay. So Wes did a really good job of it meet – you know that, that like septum area of your nose, like that, 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 that point that your nose comes to? <laughs> that is the tip of the spear. Can for we Wes's take a screen grab part. of Marty right now? And then there is the perfect A-frame. It's like he built a house. And it, it, it makes its way perfectly down to the corners of his mouth. And like a broom is a perfect straight line across his chiseled upper lip. I didn't want it to go now, below that. Because then we're venturing oh no. into like handlebar territory. Didn't need that. Uh, yeah. So we have a mirror in our living room. And it kind of angles towards the kitchen. So I walk in last week after I had a beard for several weeks and just said, you know, I'm going to give the stash a try. Just I don't want to cut it all off. I walk into the kitchen, pop something in the microwave. Brittany's working on the sofa. And I just say something innocuous like, hey, you know, I'm going to run this chore. I'm going to run this errand later today. She looks in the mirror and just says, Wes, I can see it from here. <laughs> whatever i'd said before that i could have told her that i drove the car into the lake she wouldn't have registered that 
But since then, it's kind of, no pun intended, grown on her. So until it departs and decides to leave on its own, I'm going to keep it, I think. We're going to need um... – I'm, we're going to need a test. Brittany's going to have to give us a testimonial here. I don't know if she's home, but um, yeah, let me at text some her point, quick. yeah, she needs to come in there and she needs to offer a testimonial on her. We need first-person feedback on what we're looking at because, listen, um, there are some mustaches right now across the sporting landscape, across the entertainment landscape that are making quite a bit of noise our boy Cameron Smith from the PGA uh, PGA player he has world-class lip fur to is it company is it world-class though well yeah I mean when you when you pair it with the so she so the Australian albatross yeah Cameron doesn't uh really trim his I don't think it's wiry no, no, no no blonde you know, I have a lot of blonde in mind too. It's kind of miraculous that it even shows up. But I didn't want those oh, like stray oh, hairs. It to shows come up. <laughs> I didn't want those. There's to no come debating up. that. Uh, Brittany's on a work call, but she texted me and she said, "I don't like it, but I don't dislike it." <laughs> okay, all right. So she's she's right on the she right said, on the that's, fence. She said it was shocking at first, but then I realized it kind of works. You have a lot of looks you can pull off. And it's different right now, so I'm chill about something different for a while. So, just a little variety, I guess. So, Wesley and I are both wearing uh, outsider hats, okay? Uh, Mine is the duck camo version, and Wesley has on the outsider goods, authentic goods Goods. uh, hat. What we need is we need an outsider hat that has like a race car on it or some sort of NASCAR. We can't afford like the brand. We can't afford to put the bar logo on our hat and we don't want to get sued by anybody for putting a num- like a, a branded number on it. But we need a NASCAR hat and Wes needs to have it on because he pretty much looks <laughs> like Neil Bonnet. In 1990, 1990. I mean, it's it's remarkable. He, you belong in the Cup Series garage in nineteen eighty seven. Like so, Davy Allison, right? Like Davy, Davy had a great stash. You could you could be standing there with the Alabama gang. It'd be an honor in there. Yes, it would be an honor. Shoot, it's the <laughs> Alabama gang, dude. Come on, come on. Travis, would, you would, look like you're jonesing to say something. No, but it would just t- it would take me forever to grow that mustache. Like I just can't. Which I'm I'm happy with not being able to really grow much facial hair. Oh, this took a well, while. Be able I to- mean, it was part of a larger uh, body of work for a while, so it didn't just pop up overnight. That's for sure. Uh, like I, I could being grow one. I'm like a chia pet. I could grow. If I went full like like baby butt bald on on my face, I could have a beard easily in four or five days. Not like this. I mean, again, I was in the woods all last week. I just let this thing go. I'm surprised that it's not. I'm surprised Travis hasn't already complained that I have a few hairs out of place and that he <laughs> can't handle it. No, I'm okay with all the white coming through in your beard. It's cool. Yeah, I can't wait till Travis gets old. 
because I am like my fitness level compared to Travis's right now is he like Travis winning a I race. Don't know that, we need to have a race next time we oh Marty meet Marty up would win. Person. There's no there's on, no man. there's no like contesting it. Marty no, would win. No debating this. Can um, I read y'all some uh, stats about mustaches really quick? Yeah, well, yeah, we would love them. This Please. is from uh, fatherly.com. I never heard of this publication, but I googled oh, nice. psychology of mustache. Uh, it says mustaches can be symbolic of assertive masculinity. To that point, American men with mustaches make on average 8.2% more money than men with beards and 4.3% more than clean-shaven men, a survey of 6,000 men reveals. These men are inheritors of a rich and shockingly long tradition. So, take that. What is the, the tradition? Dudes with stashes, is that the tradition? Yeah. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I think that as long as mama's on board, and it sure does sound like she is to me, I give her credit. I mean, I, I give her a lot of credit because, you know, if I walked into my kitchen every morning and I was pouring my coffee and that mustache lip fur broom was coming at me, I'd be like, no, man, not happening. <laughs> but but here's, here's the thing, though. If she's okay with it, like, you know that that's like she loves you. Oh, yeah. Like, if she's okay, like, so. I've done a well, lot worse you know. than this. Trust me. I came downstairs one day with a goat, like a, a goatee. And that was a little bit more ironic. <laughs> That's a lot worse. And she, she told me I wasn't allowed to take Kate to school. Yeah. Yeah. But you see, that's actually now smart to hold on to. So that if there's like a week that you know you're going to be busy and you don't really want to, just go ahead and grow that <laughs> yeah, one again and then you don't cool. have to do it that's a well, good uh, the next good the call. next stage of this thing better be i want to see wesley all right we, we're going to get a new sponsor uh, a sponsor we have no sponsors on the marty smith podcast uh it's going to be like bearded bastard beard oil or something <laughs> and you are going to grow that thing until it curls like doc holiday or raleigh fingers that would be – that is the look for you, dude. Like, like grow it down here. I'm your Yeah, pinwheel that thing up, and that would be phenomenal. Then you could just wear six shooters around and, like, a, some chaps or something. Just do a testimonial about the oil. 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 I have some on right now, actually, believe it or not, because, I mean, as wily as this thing is right now, it has not seen a razor in or – or a trimmer or anything in – I don't know, six or eight days. And I woke up and I had like beard. I had like, I had sheet face and this side of my beard was smashed flat. And this side looked like a party favor. It looked like a pom pom. <laughs> and so, I, I mean, it looked like I was in a wind storm. It looked like I stood in, in a wind tunnel and it. So I had to, I had to tamp it down. I had to tame it a little bit with the. Like and it's this woodsy. It's supposed to be this woodsy smell. My buddy Mark Womack, who shot all of, the, he's my, he owns a company called Sub Seven down there in West Blankenship territory uh, in Columbus, Georgia. Ooh, uh, out there near Auburn somewhere. Basically, is and Auburn. He uh, he went to Auburn. He's war damn war damn. And they they have an amazing. He owns an amazing company called Sub Seven, and they're they're a, a, a production company, and. They're the premier outdoors camera people in the world. And so 
He gave me for Marty and McGee the other morning, because it was Wiley that morning too, this. It, it is Buffalo Trace scented beard oil. And I saw some body wash, speaking of Academy, I was shopping at Academy the other day, and they had body wash that was this same exact stuff, scent by the same exact company, which... You can't wear this if you're working in the office, by the way. You get pulled over for speeding, all of a sudden the officer thinks that you've been drinking because you smell like Buffalo Trace. I don't Duke, know if this is a good thing to wear. It's Duke Cannon Supply Company, all right? And the stuff that I saw at Academy, which I put on my Instagram story, you'll see right here. Look, look at that. Look at that. Thick Buffalo Trace body wash by Duke Cannon Company. There's your boy, Blue. Anyway, uh, Womack had this beard oil, and I put it on, and, man, it smelled so good. I'm going to get some. Duke Cannon, hook your boys up. Hook Wes up with some Raleigh Fingers goo. And hook me up with some of that Buffalo Trace stuff. And I'll You're just take Buffalo West. Trace. Why'd you get let go? <laughs> well, it was that Buffalo Trace body wash. Boss Speaking just Buffalo Trace, man, didn't believe me. I always went to the distillery, and they, so they sell out. So Buffalo Trace makes a whole bunch of different bourbons. whole bunch of different bourbons. There's, Travis, of course, has some behind him there in the kitchen. I mean, he's in his kitchen. Look at that guy. Golly, we need to pray for him. Y'all, let's have him just, Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful day. We are so full of gratitude for our blessings. We will need you to please watch over Travis. Please watch over him and keep him safe, Lord. Thank you. Amen. So the boys uh, all went to the Buffalo Trace Distillery. And Buffalo Trace, ma Trace makes all manner of different amazing bourbons. I mean, they, of course, make Buffalo Trace. They got Stag. They make Eagle Rare. They make Weller, E.H. Taylor. I mean, they distill all of these amazing bourbons. Blanton's, which you can't get Blanton's anywhere, and that's where I'm going with this story. I scored a bottle the other week. You can't get it. So what they do, like Buffalo Trace, this is according to my sources, which are my buddies who went to the distillery. They got there, but it was afternoon. We had done a shoot that morning, and they go over to Buffalo Trace. And all that Buffalo Trace had was Buffalo Trace, which makes sense. But apparently they opened the doors to the distillery at, well, let's call it 8 or 9 a.m., whatever that is, to the showroom or the tasting room. They, there is a line of people down the sidewalk waiting to get in there because and they buy out all of the stuff that i just said they buy out all the eagle rare all of the uh taylor all of the blanton's it's so hard to get blanton's right now i love me some blanton's you can't get it travis where'd you get it internet my liquor store oh yeah you got you, it at your liquor store that's you like gotta right see, you gotta next door. like i follow them and so whenever they like post that they have something i'm like over there look <laughs> i mean it's it's so good. It's so great. I mean, I was at a bar. I was at a bar, and it's one of the not, one of my favorite places to eat in Lexington, Kentucky. And their bar is loaded with amazing Kentucky bourbons. They had they had no they had no uh, Blantons. It's just well, if you come to if you come to Nashville and visit me, then you can you can have some. I will. Uh, I'll submit to any of our SEC listeners. You may not look at Kentucky as a fun road trip in the, you know, tradition of going to the Grove at Ole Miss or 
going to Death Valley. But if you have an opportunity to go to Kentucky for a road football game or for any, you know, opportunity, any game, do it. Because you get the bourbon experience, but Lexington itself, even if you don't do the whole bourbon trail on your way, Lexington is an awesome, awesome One town. of my favorites. And I'm, as you know, I'm there 10, 12 times a year for college basketball covering the Wildcats. And I love that town. I love it. I love the fans. I love the town. And it, yeah, to your point, they got Keeneland, Keeneland is there. And they were running the ponies while we were there, but we were working too long to get over there. If y'all have not been to Keeneland, you have to go. It's such a cool experience. And here's a little nugget for you. If you do go to Lexington, go by the Blue Heron. As restaurants on the Southeastern Conference tour go, the Blue Heron mm. is world class. What Absolutely. do they have there that's phenomenal? Well, there's shrimp and grits. I mean, they're, so there's steaks. First of all, their steaks are some of the best steaks you'll ever have in the you, that you've ever had. Phenomenal steaks. I mean, they have a they have a I think it's like a I think it's like a um what do they call the big like tomah tomahawk, right? Mm-hmm. Tomahawk. Yeah. I think it's their tomahawk. Everybody. It's ninety eight dollars. Oh Jesus. Ninety eight dollars. Now, you better pack your wallet when you go there, but I'm telling you, the bourbon selection is elite. The food is elite. The wait staff is awesome. And we were there. The, I took the boys there the other night. And our driver, we, we rented a tour bus and drove around all over the place. Our driver got the shrimp and grits, and he said it's the best he's ever had. I had it, too. I had a little portion of it, and it was <laughs> – I mean, off the hook. So it comes with smoked ham, shiitakes, and jalapenos with one side. Twenty-one fifty. Not bad. You need to do it, man. Go there. It is. We should the do a hair. best SEC restaurants list one of these days. We should. Uh, you and me should just go on tour and sample them all. I mean, you know, with with now that now that the Marty and McGee program is entrenched in the SEC and we're in the SEC for sure every weekend because we go on the road with SEC Nation. We have a dinner every Friday night with producer Randy, Rockin' Randall Heritage, McGee and me. Like, that's it. That's who goes. And I have a Kentucky mule or a Tennessee mule, and those two idiots get their drinks, and we sit there, and we, we have sampled the SEC. And we will continue to do that in the fall of 2022. But the food in the Great SEC, guy. man, the food in the SEC. Wes, if you are, if you, if, if, if the Ohio State Buckeyes are going to Sanford Stadium and they've never been in Athens, where are you sending them to eat? Uh, I would just say the last resort. That's always my go-to. I think that's where I told you to go. Uh, when you were in town one of these times recently, Marty, the last resort. Um, just local stuff from around the southeast. Simple, good steaks, fish, uh, good fried green tomatoes. And if it's not that, it's probably Chuck's Fish House in Athens. Yeah, y'all got a Chuck's, you got a Five, those which are also staples of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um. I mean, you listen. There, there is so much, so many good eats around the Southeastern Conference. That little square in Knoxville, Tennessee, is awesome. 
Uh, the square in Oxford, Mississippi is off the hook. There are so many great places there, and maybe we should do that. Maybe every episode we should just have a here's where you should eat in the SEC. We can get that sponsored too, and we'll be off and rolling, baby. Well, that's what I'm thinking is each week, wherever you're going, you'll we could highlight a place in that location. For sure, and we will. Uh, why not? I mean, I don't understand why we wouldn't do that because people want to know when they go into town where they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a question for you guys. So my apartment has a pool, and it was really nice this weekend, so people were obviously going to be out laying out. I noticed at 9.30 on Saturday morning, this woman walked out and put towels down on covering up three chairs and then left. Oh, she planted her flag like Baker Mayfield, huh? She didn't return for like three hours. Like every other chair was being used by the time that she came back down with her and her two friends. Well, it's kind of like Augusta National, son. You go down there and you put your chair down and ain't nobody going to touch it. It's your so, real estate. What's the? Are you allowed to just throw your towels out there like it's a Carnival cruise ship at, a, at your apartment pool? Are you then- allowed to do it? I mean, I don't know a whole lot, but I know two guys on this podcast who walked out there at 745 in the morning to put their chairs down at the 17th tee box at Augusta National. But those are our chairs, and it's part of Masters etiquette. Maybe it's part of Why? the Gulch etiquette. Yeah, you just moved there ten minutes ago. You may not know the etiquette yet. Pool etiquette. But these aren't these aren't her chairs. They're her towels. There's only like so many chairs at the pool. I don't know what the rule is, but I'm telling you that if I see some strange towel on a chair, I'm not sitting on it. It's you got it. You claimed it. Same here, man. I mean that's that's spoken for. Yep, that's spoken for. I think if you're gonna go out there, like it's okay if like you lay down on one chair and you're going to reserve one more like the one next to you for your friend or whatever. But like to leave the towels and go like go back inside for three hours to me is too much. You and think that's rude, Travis? Would you, yeah, would you characterize that as rude? I, I do think it is. Cause there's all, and they're also like in the best spot of the pool in terms of like the sun and stuff. Okay. So were you, so first of all, if you know that, I guess you went to the pool to hang so, out yourself? No. So my uh, apartment. I'm the getting some real Larry David vibes from so you like right I now, Travis. Have like... I was just going to say. So, so wait a minute. We need to back up here. We need to. We need to analyze this a little bit. Are you a little bit of a stalker? <laughs> Travis is a day? beautiful mind. Russell Crowe watching out his window. <laughs> oh, who's got the pool spot reserved today? I mean. I have the blinds open when I wake up, and so I can see the pool, like I can see the highway. Like, so I just see someone go out there and put towels down, and I noticed it on Saturday. So I was like, let me pay attention, see if this happens on Sunday. And lo and behold, I would again. say that if you don't like where the towels are, then maybe you move the chairs around a little bit. They keep the physical chair, but not the location, because they're not saving the location. They're technically only saving the oh. chair. Well, you know, you know what else? You know what else? I mean, you could actually meld the two. You could meld the two together and take you your master's chair to your pool <laughs> and sit poolside. You could put it right up against the edge of the pool, just like the ropes. I don't. Well, I don't have my chair. You have it. That's a good point. They're actually right up there. They're right over there. 
I am the keeper of the chairs. Marty, you brought up uh, you brought up Baker Mayfield and, and planting the flag. A lot of uh, old wounds for Travis. But did y'all see the uh, statue that they unveiled of young Baker at Oklahoma? I did not. It don't look like Baker. Oh, all right. Sounds like you need to break this down for me. It's like not like a Ronaldo so, situation, is it? Uh, it's not as I don't bad. No, I mean it doesn't doesn't look bad like Ronaldo's did, but it doesn't look like Baker at all. I'm gonna text y'all. It looks a lot like um, I thought this too when I saw it. It looks like Robert Patrick from uh, Terminator. Georgia native, right? Is he the guy who turns in? Terminator is he the guy that two, turns into say. Mercury? Yeah, well, I've referenced him on the show before. All right, so All right, I just texted y'all. Let me take a look at this statue. Yeah, it just doesn't look like him. I mean, that no, it doesn't at all. I mean, it's hard to get someone's likeness perfect in bronze. You know, like who am I to criticize this person that made it? No, it's not. It's it's the year 2022. We see it. We see statues in the NFL Hall of Fame all the time, and they look good. It's. I don't think it's that yeah. like difficult. I don't know, man. But uh, just it's it's been a tough few months for Baker Mayfield. Um. Yeah. We. I mean, look. Uh, I covered him when he was at Oklahoma, and um, I love his moxie. It's going to be fascinating to me to see where he ends up. It seems like Seattle uh, is the predominant thought that he may end up out in Seattle and I think that would be awesome for Baker if he wound up in Seattle because not only would he be able to like he would go out west far from Cleveland and he would be in the NFC and he would have an even bigger chip on his shoulder than he does now and really just be able to hit a reset button (laughs) just let's hit a reset button because like go look I think he is a 500 quarterback I think he is like 30 and 30 at for the Browns and so I just don't understand maybe I'm a maybe I'm just blind but I think he's a good player I think he's a good player man and I'm like I like the guy so I would love to see him get another start you know there's a lot of noise about here in Charlotte where I live and there's a lot of noise about Seattle people forget what Cleveland was before he got there. And he embraced going to Cleveland. And was he perfect? No, but guess what? Before he got there, that team was a dumpster fire. And they went to the playoffs with him. His shoulder is a chip, Marty. He doesn't just have a chip on his shoulder. His shoulder is is the chip. Uh, what's going on with the draft, Marty? You got a plan? Is it top secret? Um, I, no, I don't have a plan. I'm going to watch it just like you do. And I can't wait to see what happens. Talked to Mel Kuyper from ESPN this week. Uh, I think he still believes Aiden Hutchinson will go number one overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We shall see. The beauty of the NFL draft, and I'm crazy about it. Like, I love it. I love to see who goes where. And I was already crazy about it well before I was involved in covering college football for a living. And now that I've gotten to know so many of the young men who are having this moment where their dreams come true, I'm that much more transfixed on it. Like, I want to know where everybody goes. I want to know how they fit within that scheme and within that culture. And so 
I mean, to me, as long as he doesn't get hurt, I think Aiden is a 10-year pro, 10, 12-year pro, plug and play, ready to go. And as you guys will see in just a minute, uh, as we chat with Aiden, a lot of people were very critical of his performance against West Blankenship's Georgia Bulldogs and Orange Bowl because his his stat line was less than stellar. But I give Todd Monken and the offensive staff for West Blankenship's Georgia Bulldogs all the credit in the world because their game plan and the way that they got rid of the football so quickly was brilliant. And they ran Michigan. Yeah, they did. I mean, there's one clip where he really does own Darnell Washington, and that's a lot of human. (laughs) And you could see uh, how much of a freak Aiden Hutchinson can be with that matchup. Uh, There was also plays where NFL draft pick Jamari Sawyer uh, got the better of Aiden Hutchinson, but for the most part, they schemed around him. And the dogs did a great job of that. But I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm glad that we got to talk to him. And this smoke around Trayvon Walker just continues to feel like more than smoke to me. Um, I'm not an expert. I don't have any inside intel into that world of the draft, but I've written a few pieces about it uh, over at Dogs HQ for On3, and seems like it could happen. Seems like uh, they really like him. They like guys that are more diamonds in the rough, that are maybe better athletes than guys that have shown up on the stat line, which Aiden Hutchinson did all year. Trayvon Walker was a bigger was a part of a bigger machine. So I don't think you can go wrong, though, with either one of those guys. It'll be fascinating to see what happens. And we had the opportunity very recently to sit down with Aiden and learn his path and get his perspective on what is most certainly a very bright future. Here's Aiden Hutchinson on the Marty Smith Podcast. It is such an awesome pleasure to welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast, somebody I've known for a while here and admire tremendously. And before we get into chatting NFL draft and all the amazing things that that he and his teammates did at Michigan in 2021, I just want to say about Aiden Hutchinson first that he is a first-class young man. He is a professional in every way. I love him. I love his family. His parents are wonderful people. And uh, he's busy. So the fact that you're taking a few minutes with us, brother, we appreciate it. Uh, Let's just get started with everything you've experienced here of late. What, like, how do you define what, what's your takeaway from the NFL draft preparatory process as we get towards the end of April? Yeah, you know, it was, um, it was, it was a good process. You know, I, I love football and, um, and the combine was something growing up that I was always watching. And, um, you know, you always watch those guys are on their forties, do this and do that. And, um, you know, I just got to train for it and that was great. And then, you know, getting to that day, um, it was definitely, I was definitely a little more nervous than I thought I was going to be, you know, when you, uh, when you walk up to that 40 line, you know, you, uh, you're like, dang, that looks a little longer than, than it looks on TV. And these britches <laughs> you know, are a little uh, tighter than I really... thought they were going to be too. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So it was definitely, um, I was definitely a little more nervous for it than I thought, but in the end, I mean, pro day combine, they both went really smooth, and I, I prepped 
and I worked, I think, as hard as I could um, to, uh, you know, to get my best results. So I'm happy. Um, I have no regrets. And, you know, I'm moving on now to, you know, my application is complete. So now we're just moving on to the draft. You've gone through the combine, obviously, pro day. You know, at what point do you feel like the hay is in the barn? How do you know that you've done everything you can and that your NFL draft fate is in somebody else's hands? Yeah, that's how I'm feeling right now, to be honest with you. You know, I mean, I completed everything. I got 14 games of tape. Um, I mean, I, I felt like I did great in all the interview processes. So um, I feel like, you know, yeah, the haze in the barn, and I've done everything I can to put myself in the best position. Now, you know, um, whenever team picks me, wherever I go, you know, um, I, I don't really uh, – um, I don't have too much preferences at this point. It's just whatever team will take me, um, I'm there. Was there a question in the interview process that, that threw you for a loop? Um, see, I, people have asked me that, but I really didn't get too weird of questions. Um, uh, mine were all pretty smooth. I don't think they were trying to test me that much, but to be honest with you. But um, I think the weirdest question someone asked me was, uh, um, dead or alive, who would you uh, go, uh, go out to dinner with? <laughs> Three people. And I was sitting there for about two minutes going like, um, because that is a heavy question. Yeah, it's hard. And you've really got to think. But We know you're going to be in the top five. Uh, so many people say you're going to go one overall. To what degree do you care if you're one or not? Yeah, I mean, it would, def- it would definitely be cool because, you know, going number one is definitely um, definitely something something cool that I can hang on to later in life. But. I mean, at the end of the day, as long as I'm going to the right culture, to the right fit, um, where I can, you know, get the most out of my career is where I'll, is where I'll be happy. So um, whether that be number one or number two, number three, it doesn't matter to me. You know, as long as uh, I'm being put in an environment um, where I'm, uh, you know, capable to succeed. You come into college and the transfer portal is a figment of a lot of people's imagination. NIL may or may not be coming down the pipes and you leave and the game is totally different in such a short span of time. I know your mind is on the NFL right now, but I just can't help but wonder what your takeaway is of, you know, how much the game changed while you were at Michigan and where you feel like college football is headed. Yeah. You know, it is, it is crazy right now. I mean, I kind of, I kind of got the first taste of it with my senior year, but it really like people just didn't really know what to do with it. But now I feel like it's kind of um, expanding and morphing. I see all my all my uh, old teammates like posting nil deals, getting their Camaros. I'm like, are you like are you kidding me? Like I mean, and you even see these schools like recruiting kids like like because they can like technically giving money to kids now is is uh is like legal with the whole nil thing so it's really the free agency you know it's really a free agency in college now and that's kind of how um how, how it is now and so it is just so much different when i look back to my freshman year and i look back to a lot of these kids coming in their freshman year like it's just a completely different vibe and um i think it's 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 definitely for the best but um it's going to take it's, it's going to take me getting used to for sure how close are you to your potential as a player To be honest with you, Marty, I, I don't think I'm even close. Um, I, I think I, I made a lot of strides in my game this uh, this past season, but um, I, I get so much better every single year. And I'm you know I, I'm only 21 years old, so I really have a lot of more room to grow. And uh, I, 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 I 
I just think I have way more uh, potential to reach um, in terms of my football game. And, you know, um, my plan is to, to unlock those levels once I get in the NFL. And you will. One thing I want to ask you, too, about that whole draft process or the, the whatever, the lead up to it, right? What is it like when you get there, when every single aspect of your life, of your ability as a player, of your cognitive ability, of your athleticism, of your background is analyzed to the sm- like the smallest degree by everybody, by, by a whole lot of people, not only who know the game, GMs and coaches and whatnot, right. by, but by folks who talk about it for a living. Yeah, you know, that's uh... – it is weird. It is very weird that, you know, people, I mean, I don't, I'm not really too much into Twitter and looking at articles and all the media stuff, but like, but you know that people are analyzing you, talking about you. They know probably every little thing about you that maybe you didn't even know. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, when you say that, what I think of is, you know, it's something that I've had to do, you know, because there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of words. And, you know, even before uh, I was getting all this hype, um, you know, people were saying, uh, you know, not so great things about me in terms of, you know, uh, like now they see me as, uh, you know, a top prospect, but, you know, last year they didn't see me that way. So, um, uh, I've always had the mindset of just blocking, uh, blocking them out because, um, you know, I have very strong convictions and, um, I, I believe these things about myself and, you know, I'm not going to let anybody say anything, uh, to dictate or, or to, uh, to change my own mindset about myself. So, um, that's something that definitely I think of a lot, um, because there's a lot of noise right now, a lot of talk. Um, you know, if you look, if you look anywhere, you know, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm making sure to stay very diligent with my mindset and, you know, um, uh, you know, keeping, keeping everybody out. There are a lot of guys who aren't even doing media right now because they want to stay so conservative leading up to that big day. So we definitely appreciate your time and I, I can tell how confident you are in what you've done uh because you're sitting here talking to us right now yes sir that's right you know um <laughs> got nothing to be afraid of so we are uh you know a lot of guys were asking me that too like are you doing combine drills are you doing this or doing that you know i'm a competitor um you know i uh uh i love the game and you know i'm not afraid to show off you know um my ability uh one thing that you know about me is that harbaugh is my guy uh, I appreciate the, the person, uh, I appreciate the passion that he has and the way that he coaches you guys. What's well, funny. My dog, go ahead. Drop her. It's cool. That's all right. My dog's here to say hello. Sadie's <laughs> a big here. Michigan fan. Sadie's a huge Michigan fan. Say hello to Sadie. National <laughs> puppy day. What's going on, Sadie? <laughs> um, so you know that, that Harbaugh's my dude, but he's even said to me, uh, several times he doesn't make the best first impressions sometimes so i want you to describe to people who don't know him who only see some see some of the quirkiness or as he would say the weirdness what it's like to be in his arena on a daily basis and why you guys respond to that the way that you do you know i think coach harbaugh is so wired for football i mean i think he is built for football and he loves the game so much and he's so competitive in that aspect, in that aspect, obviously, you know, playing for 15 years and now being a coach for as long as he's been a coach. Um, I mean, he loves the game and he is wired for it. And, um, you know, I think this year, especially, you know, he, he really does care for his players. And, um, you know, he, he, uh, he, 
he let me let me put this the right way. He, he isn't the most vocal about it, but you know you can tell that you know um, he he does really care and and really how he structures his his schedules and and um, you know how how he runs the whole building is is for us and you know to put us in the best position to succeed. So um, I mean you know practices you know they aren't very easy. You know stuff isn't isn't too easy at Michigan. Um, he doesn't make it that way, but um, the reason he does that is to to get the the most out of us. And um, although it might not be too much fun, you know, it does pay dividends in the long run. Jason Sudeikis said he based part of his Ted Lasso character on Coach Harbaugh. How similar are those guys, really? I mean, you've actually played for the real deal. <gasps> I have never seen Ted Lasso. I think it's just uh, the khakis. So... From from what we've heard, <laughs> it seems like it's just the khakis in the in the sneakers. That's hilarious. No, I got to watch Ted Lasso. Um, but uh, I, I know he was watching it, and he was loving Ted Lasso. He's probably seeing a little he bit of himself. <laughs> well, him and Sudeikis are boys. That's what's that's what's so funny about it okay. is Sudeikis and Harbaugh are friends. And when right before we all went to the Orange Bowl and I was up there for a day with you guys in Ann Arbor in mid-December, I asked him that. I was like, you know, how much do you compare or how do you compare to Ted Lasso? And that's where actually – the I don't make the best first impressions, but if you get to know me, you see that I have that conviction and that open yeah. heart, just like the character of Ted Lasso does. So, Wesley, I can see how that would be the case. 100% I can see the similarities. Uh, speaking of the Orange Bowl, Aiden, I know you see this Georgia G behind me. This question isn't about singling you out, but I'm curious, what was different about Georgia in that Orange Bowl compared to you know, the rest of the competition y'all faced all season. Yeah, you know, I, I think Georgia did a really good job of taking me out the game. You know, you can you can schematically, um, you know, form a game plan to take a player out of the game plan that they did that. And, um, you know, they succeeded. I mean, they got a really good football team and a lot of good players on that team. And, um, you know, it was their day that day. They they played very well. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty much it. You know, you can – you can game plan. You can do things like quick game and and um, and and screens and and uh, you know running away from me. So there's a lot of things that you can do to take a player out of a game. I thought they did that, and I think that was their whole mission too. And they they succeeded. Uh, I'm going to give you the floor in just a minute, young man, to talk about beating the Ohio State Buckeyes because Travis, who is has has, has uh, taken his video off the screen for a reason because he is an Ohio State Buckeye <laughs> and you guys and you guys put it on him. I as you've been sitting here speaking and and I've watched a lot of what you've done uh in the combine, leading up to the combine, after the combine, I've interviewed you how many times? A lot. Yep. And your humility is always something I'm struck by. You're a great football player. You're a great young man, but you are so good at maintaining, keeping the main thing, the main thing. In the draft process, damn it, you have to talk about yourself like you're the greatest thing in the second coming. That's what your agent wants you to do. That's right. So what is that like, what is that like for you to sort of shift that just a little bit while showing the humility, but I'm a baller. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It is. Uh, I think you kind of got to walk a fine line to the media in terms of talking about yourself and and um, you know the the way you kind of compose yourself. Because um, I think you know behind the scenes in terms of you know my self talk and and what I say to myself. You know, you think I was one of the most arrogant guys in the world just just based off <laughs> you know what I'm telling myself in my head. Yeah, but, man. Um, the way I'm the way I'm outside of that. You know, I kind of uh, yeah. 
I think it was the way I was, uh, I, I kind of grew up with my parents. Like I was never, I, I'm, I'm never going to be the guy who I was never the five star coming in, always the number one recruit, like kind of have that mindset of, of not working. And, and, um, you know, it, it was never like that for me. And uh, I, I'll never be that guy because I'm, I don't take things for granted. I'm, I'm extremely grateful and, um, and I'm fortunate. And I think that's really what keeps me, what keeps me humble because, um, you know, I, I know, you know, I'm very strong in my faith and stuff like that. So, um, I know not, not a lot of this would be possible without, um, without Jesus. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's been great, but it, it is a, you got to walk a fine line though, for sure. I love that. This is a platform where you can say that proudly. Uh, we, we feel the same way. So um, I know how important that number 97 is to you. It's not that easy all the time to get the number you want in the NFL. What are you willing to pay, give up, sacrifice, if you have to make a little bit of a wager to keep that number 97 on your back in the NFL? You know... Oh God! I mean, my username on Instagram and Twitter is Aidenhutch97. So, oh, uh, see, that's I mean, big I, for the brand. That's part of your yeah, personal you can't brand. Change brand. that. And I feel like 97 is just a part of me now. So, uh, to be honest with you, I'd give up a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I would give up a whole lot to get that 97. And you know, in terms of money, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. We it would definitely be in the negotiation, but um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to need that 97 once I get to the league. Hopefully there's not like some crazy good player, whatever team I go on, it's got it. Aiden, I feel like this has been a very relatable conversation because none of the three of us have been drafted in the NFL yet. But that won't be the case <laughs> for very long. And I'm just curious, are you, a, are you someone that envisions things? Do you, do you have in your mind's eye, you know, what that moment will look like when you do get selected? Uh with your family, you know, conversations, you know, with the team that, that picks you up, do you allow yourself to go there and think about what it's going to be? Or are you just staying focused in what's going on right now? You know, I think it's, it's very important to, to think about that, to, to think about um, the future in that standpoint, you know, just, just visualizing all those feelings that you get um, and kind of bringing them into the present moment. Um, it's something that I actually do a lot with not, not, with not only getting drafted, but also, you know, other things, other accolades that, that you strive to achieve. I always try to envision myself in that moment, getting that award and how that makes me feel. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm focused right now, but I'm also, I'm also, uh, you know, just getting ready for that draft and get ready for that day and, uh, you know, how it's going to feel. Couple more, we'll let you run, brother. Um, what is the lasting impact of beating Ohio State? You know, I, I think um, in terms of Michigan football, I, I think we set the standard and we showed um, we showed all those young guys and you know all the all those guys on the team now that you know it's possible. Um, you know, for a long time, not many people thought. It was possible, and uh, and and we finally, uh, you know, we did it, and um, and we showed everyone that you know um, these guys aren't unbeatable. And I think just 
for college football and, and for the state of Michigan. And um, I mean, I thought it was it's so important and it's really it really kept that rivalry alive because I know it was pretty one sided for a very long time. And, um, you know, hopefully after last year's game, you know, the, the boys can bounce back and and do it again um, in the, in the Buckeye Stadium. But uh, no, I think definitely we showed everyone that, you know, it's possible and, you know, these guys aren't unbeatable. Your guy wearing nine, J.J. McCarthy, uh, certainly seems to be confident in that respect <laughs> based on his recent commentary. Yeah, no, I saw it. I saw it. Hey, I thought it was more It was more confident. It, it was, I think I think they, the media portrayed it a little different way, but, you know, yeah. I, I, I How like, did you hear it? You were his teammate. Well, I, I, I saw it. Well, Ohio State had put it up in their football center. Like, uh, but I kind of I kind of forgot the quote, but I remember reading it. I was like – I don't think that's something that you put up on your board. Like something that you put up as your board is we're going to hang a hundred on you. What, what, what Ryan Day did. So it's like, but what JJ said, I'm like, okay, that's they're, they're, they're stretching it a little bit for sure. There's no doubt that you can, a, you can critique our effort on the Marty Smith podcast because you have the Hutch podcast. <laughs> Explain to us what you're doing and what you hope to do with that property and that platform. Yeah. So in the Hutch podcast, pretty much, um, you know, bringing on a lot of different people that I've had experiences with um, in my at my Michigan football career and um, pretty much just going through my experiences at Michigan, but also kind of going through a little flashback of, you know, how I got there and kind of some of my roots and uh, my origins with my family and, um, you know, a, a lot of different things. And, um, you know, we just I just got finished uh, uh, recording for it. So um, it's going to be great. Comes out in April. And, um, yeah, I'll say it again. Uh I'll echo what Wes said. Thank you so much for your spirit. Really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, you're a light and you're an example that so many young men coming up through can look at and say that dude did it the right way. And uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the time you've given me for several years now. Have fun throughout the rest of the process. Good luck the rest of the way. And when we hear you go number one, We'll drink a cold beer. For Thank you, Marty. You're, you're, appreciate you're the best, you, brother. No you're doubt. The best. Thanks, Aiden. All right, guys. I spent quite a bit of time with him uh, covering Michigan. Uh, certainly before the Orange Bowl, I went up to Ann Arbor and spent an entire day interviewing nine or ten players, Coach Harbaugh. And he is just – I mean, look, his, his father was an All-American at Michigan. And during COVID – uh, Travis and I did an interview for Marty Smith's America, uh, my, my former ESPN podcast, with his father about what COVID is and about how it impacts our bodies uh, long term, what impact it has on our hearts. Because if you remember, there was the myocarditis fear uh, throughout you know, the, the COVID pandemic. And so we've spent a lot of time with the Hutchinson family. And I want everything good for them. His parents are awesome. He is a great young man who will have a phenomenal NFL career, but that's just one small aspect of what he's going to do in this life. He's going to do great things in his life. I'm convinced that if he would have left after last year, Michigan isn't the team that they were this year. Like, he was that driving force in that team this year. Yeah, and he made – like, David Ojabo on the other side uh, had a breakout year and will be a first-round draft pick despite the fact that he has the injury that he suffered during pro day 
absolute freak of nature athlete, but because Aiden was on the other side, it allowed Ojabo to really show a very unique skill set and that freakish athleticism. Whereas if if Aiden wasn't on the other side and they weren't converging, meeting each other in the middle on quarterbacks throughout the Big Ten, C.J. Stroud, Travis, just wondered if you had any analysis there. But Yeah, I'm glad to see him leave. Um, no question that his presence was the driving force. And look, I, again, going back to being in Ann Arbor, Jim Harbaugh told me himself that the day after Aiden Hutchinson announced he was coming back to the University of Michigan, he walked into the weight room and he looked at the strength staff and he said, ring me out. Every single day, ring me out because I have things to prove and we have things to prove. And that narrative that they couldn't beat anybody that had any merit and that narrative that they'd never win the Big Ten as long as Ohio State was Ohio State and that narrative that therefore they'd never make the college football playoff. Like, athletes and coaches are funny. They'll tell you, oh, we don't care. They care. They care. And they they desperately care. Especially when – especially – when it is your most hated rival that is the hurdle you cannot jump. And now they've done that, and so it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Now Ryan Day and C.J. Stroud and all of the crazy bevy of wideouts that they have, they're pissed off. Now the pendulum swung back the other way, and that's great for the rivalry. I mean, I know it, it, it kills Travis Rockhold and the Ohio State Nation, Buckeye Nation. But for those of us who have no allegiance in that fight, it's awesome for college football because when we get to next November and that narrative is at a fever pitch, it's going to be even hotter than it normally is, and it's normally insane, blowtorch hot. Well, that's the thing is, like, while Alabama has dominated college football, Auburn has gotten them many of times during that 10-year period where Ohio State was just dominating Michigan. So, like, at least you had – back and forth could have gotten like, this for year 10 years it was just Ohio State if Tank them. Bigsby didn't run out of bounds Auburn beats Bama this year yeah we're and like, we're not talking about you know that there would be no narrative about Brian Harson being gone he'd have got an extension mm-hmm. whereas Harbaugh and everybody before like they were just getting beat down so it sucks for us but anybody outside of the Ohio State fan base and team it's so it much of college football sport. is driven yeah. by those rivalries. And I think for all of the people that are terrified of where college football is headed and, you know, the NIL path, the transfer portal path, you know, I can't guarantee that college football won't look very different in a few years. But I also want to believe that those rivalries, the fact that Ohio State's already putting Cade McNamara quotes up as motivation during spring, you know, that kind of stuff is what I feel like can be college football saving grace is the rivalry. That's what college football was built around, was really literally hating your rival. And as long as that is there, then I think college football has hope, regardless of, of how it changes. Going back to being on the road with Academy this past week, we, our, our third stop was uh, on the New River in West Virginia. And – Sandstone, West Virginia is where we were, and the New River is the river on which I grew up. It flowed literally like by my high school, and so it's very special to me, and it going to West Virginia felt like going home. It was just an amazing day with my guy Troy, who was my guide when we went smallmouth bass fishing. Well, up there, 
those folks bleed blue and blue and gold. And they were already talking about their season opener, which, oh, by the way, is against the Pitt Panthers, their most hated rival, 40 minutes up the highway. And I don't think, Travis, you can confirm or, or, or reject this for me, look this up. I don't think they've played each other in eight or ten years. And so when that thing kicks off the first weekend of September, it's going to be the first Potter game of the year. Woo! First game of the year in Heinz, at Heinz Field. They're going to sell that thing out to the gills, and it's going, to be, it's going to be awesome. And then two weeks later, two weeks later on September 22nd, I've already, it's on my calendar already. Thursday night, the West Virginia Mountaineers go to Lane Stadium Worsham Field in Blacksburg, Virginia for another hated rivalry. I mean, how many times at the Masters did we hear somebody talk about that game? At least a half a dozen times. I cannot uh, wait. The last time West Virginia and Pitt played was 2011. Okay, so that was 11 seasons ago, 12 seasons ago. And it so, wasn't too long. And remember back then uh, Pitt knocked off West Virginia when West Virginia was looking like they were going to make it into the BCS uh, title game. Like, was, that the Rich Rod- was that Rich Rodriguez era? When did he leave? I can't like, remember when he yeah, left. because that was like Steve Yeah, like mid-2000s. Yeah, they, they had Mac- dudes everywhere. I want to say McAfee might have been on that team. I can't remember. They had dudes everywhere, and I am of the mind, and I, someday I'll ask Coach Rodriguez this. If he stays in West Virginia, there's already – there's statues of him outside of that stadium. Oh, yeah. He had – they were a perennial powerhouse when he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what Coach Brown is doing. Neil Brown has really – he's the current head coach of West Virginia. He has really embraced the state culture. And he did it from the second he walked in the door, and I texted him and told him I thought it was brilliant. And now the West Virginia Mountaineers bring in West Blankenship's Georgia Bulldogs former guy, JT Daniels. And you know who he plays against uh, in week one? You know who the quarterback is for Pitt? No, I forget. USC transfer Keaton Slovis. Oh, yeah. Great. Wow. It's even better, man. That's awesome. Wasn't Neil Brown took the time is a flat circle, Travis. Neil Brown took the team into the coal mines, right? His like he did. Yeah, I love that about him. He did, and I just I, it's so smart. I think, especially in a state like West Virginia, I was talking to 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 my guy Troy about this. In states like West Virginia, in states like Alabama, where there ain't no pro ball, ain't no pro ball. It is I me mean, like I don't, I almost feel like West Virginia is its own thing like i know this west virginia is very much its own thing but but i'm talking about in terms of the west virginia mountaineers all right yeah that that they they every single person in the state now there are people who love marshall and they will damn sure tell you they love the marshall thundering herd but wvu is the identity of that state and like it's it's a very unique culture, and so in that context, you if you lean into that, if you lean into that culture like Coach Brown has, then you're reminding those people we're playing for you. We're all I got we are family yours. on both sides from West Virginia, and I got relatives that have lived in Georgia now for about twenty years. I want to say, but that Mountaineer hasn't left them. They are still blue and gold. And it comes up every time we talk to them. Yeah, we want Georgia to do well, 
but we're West Virginia. West by God, Virginia. West by God. And I I can't like, – I mean, I remember being a kid and Daddy taking me to Lane Stadium when Major Harris was a Heisman candidate. Might have even been a Heisman finalist, I think. Travis, that's another thing you can confirm or deny for me. But Major was the biggest story in college football. And I think they beat Virginia Tech 22-10 to 10 the day that they came into Lane Stadium. They were super highly ranked in the, uh, super highly ranked that year. And I cried. I was a little boy. I was like 11, maybe 10, 11 years old. And I was like, man, I hate West Virginia. But <laughs> they uh, – uh, So in 88, he finished fifth. And then 89, he finished third in the Heisman. Was it 88 that they beat Virginia Tech 22 to 10? Because I want to say that I was like 11 years old, something like that. And so, and I, I remember the score being 22 to 10. And I'm pulling this so far from the b- furthest crevice of my brain matter. Uh, Wait, what, that, what did you say the score was? 22 to 10, I think. Yep. Yep. It 1988. Was, uh, yeah, it was on October. Yeah first there you go yeah. at lane stadium right yeah so daddy took yeah daddy took me to that game that's one of those ones that mcgee just goes what in the hell is wrong with you and so i just remember that being a very special day because the west virginia mountaineers were hated by virginia tech because you know why because we're the same people <laughs> we're the exact same people and just really fun and i can't wait i'm gonna try to get up there if my great friends at the Southeastern Conference Network will let me fly into wherever we're going that weekend uh, for Marty and McGee and SEC Nation, I'm going to try to get up to Blacksburg on the evening of September 22nd, I think is the date, and see West Virginia and Virginia Tech square off on Thursday night. Um, all right, we ran our mouth forever. I mean, it was a long podcast today, but we had plenty to say, and it was all kicked off the catalyst was Wesley's lip fur. Brittany, you are an angel from heaven, young lady. I couldn't wait to see what kind of uh, name you're going to give it, and you didn't disappoint. Yeah. Lip fur might lip be fur. the name I mean, that's like a, It's like you went out there in the backyard and dug up one of those brown and black caterpillars and <laughs> pasted it to the top of your ch- chisel lip there, that upper chisel lip. have. <laughs> might crawl away when we're done recording. It just might. You know, it might, it might be hungry. Appreciate so much, uh, Aiden Hutchinson, taking time to join us. That young man is as busy as they get right now at this stage in his life, and we're full of gratitude that he would come on the Marty Smith podcast and share his truth with us. So grateful for him. Can't wait to see here in just a couple days where he ends up. Whoever gets him, no matter who it is, is getting a plug-and-play stud. Congratulations to him for an amazing career at Michigan, Heisman finalist, and a great person. Can't wait to see where so many of these young men go. I can't wait to see where Mech, John Mechie and Jamison Williams end up. I know Wes is chomping at the bit to see where all these amazing young men, Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean, where all those guys end up. Hey, yeah, I mean, another shameless Dogs HQ plug Shame away, me. dude. It's our uh, platform. Over, over at On3, man. If you're a Georgia fan and you don't typically get involved, invested in the draft, you should get invested and excited about this one because I feel like it says a lot about where 
Kirby Smart has the program and where it could potentially be headed. Um, but I don't think you're going to see many draft classes like this one. This is historic, and it's going to be fun to watch. So I hope you all enjoy it as much as I am. Well said and agreed. Um, really appreciate our law enforcement officials all over the country working so hard to keep us safe when I was in, back to West Virginia. When I was in West Virginia, uh, we made a stop for a little bit of food, and I walked in, and I had my hat on forward, unlike Travis, and a gentleman walked over, and he thanked me because he's a listener of the Marty Smith podcast, and he's also a police officer. And he said how grateful he was that we take the time to acknowledge their work. We mean it. Thank you all. Appreciate our first responders so much, our EMTs, our fire and rescue folks being so courageous and so brave. And speaking of that, thank you so much to the United States military. We are so grateful for your sacrifice because we are free. Y'all have a great week. We appreciate y'all. Travis has Blanton's in his hand, and he can go pound sand. I was going to say something else, but this is a family program. Appreciate y'all. We'll try better next time. Hit us up there, Buffalo Trace.